Hello and welcome to SoFarscape. A fun-filled Farscape fancast by a fervent fan. And a fascinated first-timer. I'm Kaki. I'm Kay. And, and this, this is, is the, the story, story So Farscape. Farscape. I, was, I should have said a four-filled because we're on season four finally. We are. Season four, uh, episode one, Crichton Kicks. Yes, Crichton Kicks part two because it's the second part of the, the, uh, the two-parter that started with... Uh, oh, right. Yeah, with the... Uh, uh, I mean... Totally didn't feel like it's a second part of a two-parter because it's almost completely disconnected from everything that happened in the previous episode yeah. except the cliffhanger. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, it's, it's but this has been true for a lot of the uh, uh, the two-parters, I feel. Like, the, the, the second part often feels, oh, maybe not a lot. I'm thinking of, like, Nerve and the Hidden Memory. Even right. though they, like, share a location, they feel very different. Mm, yeah. But then again, look at the prince, it's not so much. That's more of a continuous story arc. I mean, there's, there's a different feel to it, true, but it's yeah. definitely one store, big story arc. Yeah. Mm. There's some wild things, does Farscape, and uh, especially as we're now heading into into season four. Now, I've given you conflicting reports about whether they knew that they were going to get renewed yes, for a fourth I, there season. Yes, there was a little bit of debate about this, I, I heard. So I got confused about the timing, uh-huh. and at the time of writing, it wasn't sure that there would be a fourth season. At the time of, uh, shortly after Filming, there was a there was a confirmation, so okay. that's where I uh, kind of got confused. It was still sort of up in the air, but the ratings were great. Gosh, I've I've tried to find some promos of season four that would not spoil too much because okay. it was kind of a it was kind of a wild sort of season to to, to get into in terms of like what should we expect from this. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, it shouldn't be fair that, like, even if, if they decided, they being the studio, decided to put out this promo, that's clearly something that they wanted people to see or know, at least make them excited about what might be happening in the future. And I don't think this, I think this was before the age that basically the trailer basically reveals you the entire movie, including the twist, mm, as, seems, yeah. as seems to be so often the case currently. Like, oh no, we have to spell out everything that happens in the movie and... Yeah, wouldn't that be nice? Actually, there's a third option, though. Uh-huh. And the third option, which is where the trailers are cut together by marketing people that have not watched an episode of the show. Yeah, fair point. So uh, it was still airing on the Sci-Fi Channel. That was mm-hmm. its main audience. It never really found purchase in Australia the way that it did in the United States and the UK. And Sci-Fi Channel had recently purchased Stargate SG-1. Oh, and they were going to make this super block of science fiction to sort of own all the nerds. Farscape and, and Stargate are pretty different shows. Yes. Right? Much more serialized versus much more episodic, much more romantic versus militaristic. No. <laughs> so sort of an, a, a contrast between Star Trek The Next Generation and Stargate SG-1, where you see the bridge of the Enterprise, and Picard goes, oh, no, the Prime Directive forbids us from interfering with less developed species. And then you see the SG-1 team going up to some natives saying, all your gods are false. Here, take these guns. And shoot them. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> But so, like, I remember there was there was promos saying one man has to save the universe, and sort of implying that he bangs every alien babe that he bumps into. Okay, and and he has to save. He's never thought about saving the universe. He doesn't care about the universe. No. He cares about his own grade his own, A his, prime his, USDA. I was going to say his own bacon that we were going to. <laughs> we got a few nice views of this time, right? Yeah, we sure did. These leather, leather pants really stood up to the test of time, <laughs> unlike everything else. Yeah. Okay, okay so let's yeah. see what our listeners have to say about this episode. 
A new DRD function is revealed. They can sing. A gravity-defying know-it-all introduces herself as a Leviathan expert, and we discover how long it takes to fall down and reach the bottom of the pilot's den. Thanks, Going Metal 799. His name is John Crichton, and his friends just got sucked down a wormhole. Now he's stuck on a living ship full of strange Yoda impersonating spice vikings. (laughs) Along with help of Sputnik and the 1812 overture, John must save his home. Thank you, Mary C. (laughs) Oh, no, it's... Marky C, doesn't he use... Oh, no, 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 sorry. I was confusing Marky C with Rick from the Delta Quadrant, who was those limericks. And who, is the next, who is the next one? So. I do kind of want to sing this as a... His name is John Crichton and his friend just got sucked down a worm. No, that's not going to work. Anyway. Interrupted by a two brave thief, friends united, what a relief. A dying boat, a human goat, grade A prime American beef. Oh, f- yes, that's great. <laughs> Thank you, Rick from the Delta Quadrant. And Crichton goes full castaway and meets an odd-looking cabbage patch kid who can walk on ceilings. <laughs> he is forced to face off with weird Klingon knockoffs all while trying p- to plot a way back to his normal life. Thank you, Melissa. Oh, uh, a pilot nods off to her favorite soaps. An astronaut programs a friend to play the Tchaikovsky 1812 overture while doodling. A new know-it-all gets in on the chaos. Can she answer the five W's? Can she learn the ABCs or the ACBs? Actually, no, it's a little editorial for me. Let's give the dog a hand. Don't worry, it can be reattached. Look, I can do the exorcist backwards crawl up the wall. Our favorite diminutive ruler has no qualms sicking the dogs on an astronaut. Our favorite snurcher's vision has improved, but doing it too often makes her blind. Could the sun have a baby or is it all in the astronaut's head? Thanks, Brian. I've no. Now watch that character limit because this is going over one tweet. It seems to go, yes. Uh, stranded astronaut. <laughs> with a better beard this time. Sputnik Klingons and Bad Doggo Oh My. An adventure is finally played and the ABCs are sung. The greatest droid since R2-D2 appears. Junk more junk and no muerta pilot. Leviathan sushi, anybody? Is it still going? Yeah, it's still going. (laughs) Uh, Sputnik finds out the hard way life experience beats book learning. (laughs) Veins are too big to shift center of gravity, so our favorite human plays goat from Jurassic Park. Sparky gets updated skin and Pip can slow time now, I guess. On a side note, this is my favorite Wakey Cracky John episode. Thank you, DB. (laughs) Thank you. Oh, I know I'm being cranky about the length of some of these, but I do love that everybody... We're going to be here a while, by the way. There's more. I I do love that everybody came out in droves, and we hope that you continue to. So go to sofast.com slash links, but try and keep it to a single tweet, because then they can put a sheaf on it. Okay. Sputnik crashes into John's Leviathan, and old friends return as John must deal with pirates. Meanwhile, Harvey wears his cool button down from season two. Yeah. I saw, I saw that, yes. <laughs> oh, very good. As Crichton tries to figure out who's the daddy. Thank you, Billy Roberts. Pardon me. Hello. Yes, I'm talking to you. Now, I know you're new here on this old Leviathan. I've been here a while now, and if you want to be good neighbors, please stop shooting at me. Oh, what's that? That's no one shooting? Well, can you at least keep your hound of my two-berry garden. What's, what's this two-berry stuff? Uh, I just planted them and he, what, sorry, she keeps digging them up. If you can do that, we might get along nicely. If not, let's not say how bad it will get for you here. And thank you, Black Rain, for that one. Originally aired on Friday, June 7th, 2002. I keep forgetting that I sort of put the program, the sort of dates of information all of them in, in this, there. Yes. Yeah, I wonder what, what other cool information. Oh, directed by Andrew Prowse, written by David Kemper. Gosh, what else has David Kemper written? Let me see. Through the looking glass. I really set up this database very well. I don't know why I keep forgetting to do that. Maybe because it's boring. <laughs> Prepare to stop him. We open with a bit of a fake out. <laughs> yeah. The montage shows us the important things that happened in, uh, in season three, culminating in uh, John 
hearing the voice of the old woman saying that Aaron is with child as yes. Moya gets sucked away and he's just left there with no fuel. Floating about. You have got to be kidding me. Fade to some time later. Yes, John floating <laughs> about. But now he has a, quite the beard. A real beard this time. And that's what I mean by fake out. I'm just like, okay, hang on. He has, he was very low on fuel. So this is, how can he have grown a beard in such a short, in such a period of time? So something <laughs> else is going on. Yeah. And turns out, yes. And changed his outfit. He's got an awful poncho now. Oh, yes. Or a sort of Jedi robe. Excuse me, Master Jedi. Uh, well, over his, uh, yeah, I guess his shirt went bad and he put that on top of his leather pants or something. And we see his module flying around a Leviathan, but it's quite a different looking Leviathan. Mm, yes. We hear the name Elak mentioned over the course of the episode. He's, uh, he's an elderly Leviathan, bonded 350 cycles ago. Uh, you can see his ribs. So few Leviathans are able to end their physical existence in this sacred space. Elak and I promised each other this when we were joined over 350 cycles ago. A skinny little guy. Well, I'm not sure if he's small, but... Yeah, I mean, we don't know what natural-born leviathans look like, except yeah. for the two or three that we've seen. But, uh, yeah, this one, he, he looks a bit emaciated. Yes, on board, I mean, everything looks a bit wrong. The ribs of the corridors look encrusted with almost calcium-like deposits or oh, something yeah. like that. And the pilot is also not very uh, in a very good state. She is uh, covered in lesions on her face. Uh, yeah, like her. So, yes, I sort of get the impression that she uh, that she's sort of stuck mid molt. Yeah, yeah. I suppose. Right? That's, yeah, I see what you mean. Or, or at least she seems to have some extra ridges on her carapace that uh, that pilot doesn't uh, doesn't have. But what we're looking at here uh, is actually something cool. A new uh, uh, a, a new puppet, a new animatronic was being built for right. Pilot at this point. Yeah. So we're still looking at the one that's uh, that served since 1999. Uh-huh. But so new animatronic was being built, new skin, and so this is some of the foam interior that's being used as the exterior for this. Uh, oh, this okay. Other so pilot. this is basically the old pilot who has been redressed to be a different pilot now. Exactly. Exactly. Uh-huh. Which, you know, the old pilot animatronic and skin have played two other pilots. Yeah. Uh, one in Eat Me and one in uh, The Way We Weren't. Mm-hmm. But yeah, at this point, the, the, the creature team was uh, busy working away in the, uh, in, the, in the creature shop, welding and sizzling and gluing <laughs> together the, the fantastic new creation. And yeah, we, we, we talked to this, well, pilots don't have names, or at least we don't get them. And she's she's elderly, and she mentions that uh, since they were bonded, it was uh, it was her and Elak's dream that they would come to the sacred space to die yes. together. And they answered John's distress call and let him on board, and they're kind of like drifting around there now, waiting for the end to come. Yeah. And in the meantime, John is bored. Uh, he's been like cracking the uh, wormhole code. He's written on yeah. every surface that he can find, pretty much. Which he's apparently now figured out wormholes. And he just needs to find the wormhole network. Right. And he's writing wormholes for dummies. <laughs> yeah. But finding the wormhole network is not so easy because he, there's no store of fuel for him to get out of the, uh, yeah. the sacred space. I mean, the, the pilot says that, like, oh, well, there's some stored on uh, that and that level. And he goes, like, yeah, now my model needs it refined. Can't use it like, uh, can't yep. use it raw like that. And apparently that is no longer an option. And 
And we see him walking through the hallways, these grey, foggy hallways, in his Jedi robes, with a red, white, and blue... Uh, sorry, blue, white, and red painted DRD. Yes. Whom um, he's first, taught to sing. First I was like, oh, why did he paint a French flag on that? But, you know, then I really... Yes! Well, it's not for true 1812, but... Yes! Well, Tchaikovsky wasn't French, was he? No, but 1812 is the... Right. Okay. Vive so, I must say that he must be an amazing musician, that he can, like, teach a DRD to play that entire overture, including all the, the drum parts and the horn parts, when he probably hasn't even heard all of it in one sitting, you know? Yeah, that's a good point. Huh. Because I don't think he had this, has the sheet music lying around anywhere. Yeah, yeah. So I he don't... would have to be able to repeat and whistle and or hum every part of that entire overture to be able to teach it to a DRD. And it's not really like easily deconstructed like no. like Peter and the Wolf, where you get introduced to all the components. But okay, no, I know. I mean, <laughs> did you recognize it? What the DRD? No, the 1812 overture that that has been our yes, theme music for the. No, okay, yeah, totally. just, okay, okay, no, good. Yes. So, <laughs> no, that was my first uh, like. Oh, here, so this is the episode because I remember you like I asked you about why you chose that and where the music came from. You said yeah, like 90 years ago by now, know, and you told me that at one point in the future, John programs a DRD to play it. And Wait, did I? Yes, you did. Whoa! Why <laughs> so, did I forget that? <laughs> Oh no way! Oh, that's awful! Oh, no, that's my, my my former self was so was so forgetful. In fact, in fact, very recently as well, I think during the uh, the end of season three, I mentioned that uh, that Leviathan sort of grow to adapt to their passengers, which mm. didn't get mentioned until until today. I'm going to have to start like giving myself demerits. Every Leviathan grows to accommodate its passengers, its pilots' whim. It's oh my goodness. But yes, I was I was very happy to finally get to share that with you because it's it's given me so much joy thinking about little eighteen twelve the heroic. Uh, yes, he paints it. Uh, Bleu blanc rouge. Yeah, uh, and he has the, he has actually has eighteen twelve written on the side as well. Yes, it's one of the rare armed DRDs. Yeah, Moya had a lot more of them, but apparently, uh, uh, I mean, remember in a bug's life when the commandos come on board? I can handle big. And John and Aaron are pretending to be peacekeepers. Mm-hmm. They have a bunch of armed DRDs at that point. Like, oh yes. Well, maybe uh, this. What was the name of this um, uh, Leviathan again? Elac. Elac. So maybe Elac hadn't had any use for those, or maybe they just like you know died off. I don't know. Yeah. Can DRDs be transferred between Leviathans? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm trying to think if John brought a Moya DRD onto Talon. Mm. No, I don't remember. I don't, don't think, think so. so. No. no. So we get a little bit of the life of John, which apparently has been going on like this for a while now. Yeah, uh, doing some wishful drinking. Yes. The pilot has went like, well, they, they want to die here, so they're not bringing him back to the planet. And uh, he's just like hoping that someone else is going to show up, and or, or maybe the other people are going to show up again. But yeah. no, I mean, something does show up, but it is a little transport pod, which is named Sputnik by our, uh, uh, our listeners. <laughs> oh. Sorry, Sputnik ah. is his nickname for Sikozu, who comes out of it because her head sort of looks like. Oh, okay. Sorry, I thought it was a reference to the to the little uh, pot because. Kinda... No, I think that's valid because yeah. it, I, I love that it sort of comes rocketing through the docking bay, and he just sort of stands there, still dr- sipping his cup of wine. I mean, I would <laughs> like just letting it happen while the eighteen twelve overture crescendos. He calmly 
waits for someone to uh, to walk out Here. and then draws a gun on her. Yes. And credits. So who we have here is Kozu Shanu. Sikozu Shanu. Um, and she's got she's got her hair in in these weird no, really cool sort of lumps in all directions. Yeah. These little sort of twisty cakes, which must be a tremendous amount of work, but no. And also not fit very well into a helmet. No, but people don't wear helmets, and if they do, then you can just like grab one from the soccer field or from the football field. <laughs> uh, yeah, work for John. Yeah, John is very casually pointing his, waving his gun around. Uh, yeah. She's just like, oh, you have to go, they're after me, and they will kill you. If you are sober or sane enough to understand, I suggest you aim that behind you. Creatures following me execute on sight. And I think this is a really cool scene when we figure out, because the next thing she said is, like, uh, transporter uh, microbes don't work on me. Yeah. Or my brain can't handle transporter microbes or anything. Translator. Translator, sorry. Transporter translator. microbes yeah. would be something else. No, that hold on, hold great. on. Yeah. yeah. Those would be great. Would yeah. it? Well, would it? Ooh. Depends on how it turns out that they work. But, yes, so she has to learn languages. By uh, hearing them. But he can, like, understand her perfectly. So it's very interesting, like, if you go in your mind through the what this means for the conversation that they're having that she's yeah. literally just kind of talking to him saying things that uh, she understands what he's oh, sorry he understands what she's saying yeah and she can only assume that whatever he says makes sense in response which it doesn't really because no, he's just God. he's just going all over the place like it's it's bad enough that he speaks english yes where like i love that she asked for your alphabet in order How's that going to help you with English? Did you know that there's no particular reason why the alphabet is in this order? A, B, C, D, E, F, G. Well, I mean, I didn't doesn't, know that. But it doesn't, like, have to, it doesn't have to be in that order. It, it, yeah, there's no, there's no need for it to be in <laughs> no. that. Well, with one exception, hold on, because our capital A is derived from right. hieroglyph. Yeah. H, I, J, K, L, M, N, O, P. Which was sort of a pyramid, mm-hmm. because the, the Egyptians... I like, have Ra, wasn't it? Yeah, I don't know if it was Ra or or, or a different sun god, honestly. Mm. But it was the it symbolized Ah, yeah. Because they they did this thing where when you write a hieroglyph and you draw a line underneath it, then you mean the sound, not the word. Yeah. U R S T U V. And then you can make a rebus, mm-hmm. which can be understood by uh, by anyone. And thousands of years later, we're still drawing pyramids for our Ah sounds. Right, but doesn't have to be the first letter. No, that's true. W, X, Y, and Z. Now I've sung my ABC. Yeah. Hello. It doesn't help at all. It also doesn't help that besides speaking English, he speaks Crichton, yes. which is nonsensical. Very, so it's very colloquial. Uh, lots of... Dropping in some Spanish just to make that easy. Yes. Oh, that'll help. Dying shit, remember? No starburst. Muerta. Dead. Toast. And I sort of imagine that... They honestly just didn't try very hard to to make it plausible for Sikozu to sort of f- figure out what he's what he's saying. Mm. Just assume that she's brilliant. Yes, which you'd have to be in order to learn a language that fast. Yes. Yeah. And she also yes, she starts to make, like start making sentences, and he kind of does, but it doesn't really help. Yeah. But I mean, she picks it up. She asks quick. for verbs and nouns, which is well, good guess that that's how English works. Not all languages do yeah. that. Like, I think in uh, in Navajo, I think all of... It's mostly verbs that do the heavy lifting. Okay. Once upon a time, I was happy here. Little on the lonely side, but that's okay, because at least Winona only had to start cooking fires. You know, fire. Whoosh, fire. Modules out of fuels. Oh, it's not going anywhere. 
So I'm working like a mofo. And everything is finally coming together on these crates here till you smash through, pissing me off just a little bit. I really loved this, though. Even though it wasn't very hard sci-fi and, and, and worked out. No, just it, was this, a, it was a really cool idea. And it's a really good way to sort of reintroduce the world mm-hmm. uh, that we're in. Because that was one of the things that sci-fi really wanted to achieve at this point, to broaden the, uh, the audience and the appeal for, for Farscape. Because it's gotten very serialized at this point, right? Yes. And not particularly welcoming to new audiences, they felt. Which I think, honestly, is valid. Yeah. You need a lot of backstory to be able to get into, jump into this at this point. Yeah. And they do a good job of pointing out that the important things that happened uh, leading up to this point... He gets a and, great monologue as uh, little Sputnik is trying to understand what he's what he's saying. Mm. Explains where he's uh, where he's at, why he's on this dying Leviathan, and then she explains this Leviathan is about to be invaded by, let's say poachers. I think is yes. There. They're they're called Grudex. God, I love them. Grudex. Who the hell are they? They harvest tubray tissue. Tubray hunters. Right. Yes, they're here to get the graphit locks. <laughs> <laughs> okay, yeah. <laughs> which are Leviathan nerve fibers, which apparently are a sort of... Delicatess? Yeah, people apparently consume them to improve their higher brain function. Oh, yes. So it's like, a, it's like an aphrodisiac for nerds. Okay, well, fair uh, enough. Maybe, I wonder if she's been uh, oh, gosh. snacking on those. Maybe, maybe she's like Obelix <laughs> and she fell into a vat of that stuff as a child. <laughs> But yeah, uh, uh, Elak is penetrated by this uh, Grudek ship that immediately sends out gas canisters to fumigate the ship. So they have to climb into uh, John's the module little module. And, uh, yes, escape the gas. Cozy up quite close to uh, get back to the Farscape tradition of proximity alerts, mm. just this time with a random alien, which causes, I think, John to flash back or no. To, Withdraw into his mind space, yes. Yeah. Where he's on Bondi Beach, which looks absolutely lovely. Yes. Talking with Scorpy, who is running around in a lovely straw hat and, yes, indeed, his Hawaii shirt. Yeah, that look. That look and that, is that so that good. And that awkward waddle that Wayne Pyram does there, just kind of like how he's like waddling around in his tights. Yes. <laughs> which he normally doesn't do at all, so it's not, some, not a function no. of the suit, so it's, like, it's a deliberate effect at wa- uh, run walk that he's doing there. Yeah, it's his Harvey walk, which is this... I don't know how to describe it. I guess it's like a, like a butler trying to run on the beach in high heels. Okay, yeah, I can see that. Oh, do you see how skinny he is? Yes. Right? Very, yes. So I think uh, he, was, uh, uh, he was ill when Pygram had a... I don't know, he'd, he'd lost a staggering amount of weight, which was a bit of a problem for this suit. Because, oh, like, the yeah. Scorpius makeup depends for a huge part on the, the fit of the helmet. Mm. Like, those parts are, they're glued around the eyes and the, and the lips, but not to the rest of the face. Yes, okay. So if he goes skinny, then there, there's gaps in the, uh, yeah. Yeah, and it can flab, so it had, to be, it had to be retailored. And also, like, while they were at it, oh, can you make it a little bit more comfortable around the ears? Because he's a drummer, so he suffers from uh, uh, tinnitus. Yeah. yeah, quite a bit, which was not helped by hearing his own voice echoing through his skull uh, all day long. Yeah, I can imagine that. Oh. And we see Aaron. Yes. So what's he, how did she, she end up in John's mind space. I think she's just a fantasy that he likes to visit. Oh, yes. Right? But still, I didn't know he could do that. 
Well, I mean, if I close my eyes and I go to imaginary Bondi Beach, I can have I can have sort of anyone lying there. Oh, uh, okay. So I always imagined his little jaunts with with uh, Scorpius or uh, Harvey mm-hmm. to be more of an actual, you know, mental holodeck type thing. Like, oh, right. much more an actual depiction of how he experienced it rather than this how he thinks of it in his. Uh, oh, that's interesting. In his mind's eye. That may be how it how it usually is. Uh. So then this may be just its principal function. Bondi Beach may just be a daydream that he wants, mm. but then Harvey invades it. Right. Because he's going there mm, to mm. talk to uh, Aaron again. Aaron, who has a lovely baby bump. Mm. I assume that was also the Creatures Workshop who did that. Uh, you know, I don't know exactly on whose, whose responsibility that... Do you know, now I think of it, I don't actually know that that isn't real. I mean, was she pregnant around that time? I, I don't know that. Yeah. I, I actually don't know if Claudia Black has children. Uh, I think she does, yes. But they this might... is something that I'm someone... F- oh, she definitely does have children, yes. I'm fairly I, I certain that. I've seen that on her Twitter. That... Yes. Oh, I don't know if she was indeed uh, indeed pregnant. Oh, oh. I don't think so. Because, another like, demerit for me. This is a bad a, episode. Because there's another happy. shot right at the end when she's suddenly not pregnant anymore. And... Uh, Oh, yes. And those would be hard to shoot yeah. in close succession yeah. either which way. Yes, yes. Okay, so <laughs> definitely a, a makeup effect here. Oh, she looks great in her bikini and sunglasses. She looks so comfortable in the sun. And Crichton's just out here taunting himself by asking her questions yeah. that she can't answer. No, because like she's his figment, I suppose. Yeah. He does go back there later as well, and then he's very different. Uh, he, he acts much more, uh, yeah, happy to him, and then that's where the uh, episode gets its name from, Crichton Kicks. <laughs> there it is. That's a Crichton Kick. Uh, oh, yeah. A little bit. And I love the snub, how she snubs him. It's like, yes, <laughs> girls usually kick harder. <laughs> <laughs> Only because he said boy. And she's got to, yeah. like, yank his leash back a little bit. And, uh, well, then he contemplates, oh, I don't know. We don't know who the father is. Maybe it's not mine at all. <laughs> You just won't let that rest, will you? So you could have tankers or, yeah. a, 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 oh no, ponytail and a little goatee. Uh, who's that? Grace. Cray. Oh, of course, yes. Duh. Yeah, or maybe half a face mask or... Uh, yeah. <laughs> He's kind of like accusing her of slutting around a bit, isn't he? Yeah, but it's all in good fun because even yeah. when he says like... Maybe it's a royal pain in the ass, seats all the time and farts a lot. Oh, then we definitely know it's yours. <laughs> <laughs> It's an interesting sort of tonal shift between that sort of lightheartedness and this, you know, this pretty brutal invasion of a dying Leviathan. Yes, by Klingon Vikings. Yeah, I kind of like these guys. I didn't remember them very well. They're the, weird, but... The Grudex. Grudex, my ass. They've got this, like, weird little metal tooth growing out of their forehead, or is that just I a commander? I, I, I think I saw it on more of them. It's, yeah. like, it's like some sort of body mod... Oh. Like they make cuts in their in, in their forehead, and they sort of wedge something under the skin there to hold it in place. Mm, that makes sense. Or or maybe there's a there's a skin fold there that they're just using for whatever purpose. Yeah, they're all these long haired guruff. They're uh, they're yelling about their prize. Their uh, uh, weird speech patterns. They have a sort mm. of Slavic Southern European accent. Enterprising, you are. Expecting you, I have been. A strange object-subject-verb sentence structure some of the times. It's unusual. But yes, they are here to harvest the tissues from uh, from poor Elak, as we discover. Uh, 
And Sokozu advises stealth. Make them think you're dead. Okay, Spudnik. No. So John instead decides on a show of force. Because, of course. By sitting on the edge of Pilot's den and yelling at them. Oi, pay attention to me. In Klingon. No, Bavol! Farouk! Didn't get that one, did you? Because it's Klingon. As well? Uh, yes, because, I mean... I Supposedly, wonder... the words that he says are not Klingon. No. Uh, well, he if... actually he actually calls it. You didn't understand that, because that's Klingon. He literally says it's Klingon. Yeah. Yes, yes, but it's not. Um, Sounds Klingon. It does sound a bit Klingon, but I, I dove into the research, and the, what's written down was poch nach dosh herucht, which, first of all, he doesn't pronounce the H's correctly. They're supposed to be a rather than a... Right. Uh, and also, those words don't exist in Klingon. Yes. Uh, there's a little bit of a shooting back and forth, because apparently these uh, gravid lax meats are uh, supposed to be harvested from the pilot's chamber. We've got all these weird cells that we've always been seeing there. Or they've usually been bulges, and we've now revealed that those are membranes, which there's a right, chamber behind. Yeah, it's this sort of honeycomb. They built this great set with with two levels of cells that they're they're excavating. But I thought this interaction was really interesting because it starts off with the Grudex just not being interested in him and just yelling, "Mind your own business," yeah, and we'll be fine. We're just here to. Uh get what we want. Time for you guys to clear out! There is no quarrel with you! Remain clear and you may live! Oh no! No, not if you destroy my ship! Okay, then alternatively... Flee then! Yes, right. they actually offer him pa- uh, passage yeah. off. Well, not passage off, but like, yeah. Yeah, it's like like safe passage, which... Unsure. Unsure whether they're serious about that. I get the feeling they are. I mean, At this point, yeah. yeah. But yes, lots of shooting. It doesn't really go very well for Crichton. Um, no, there's a gorgeous little dramatic run flail as he tri- crosses the bridge of uh, Pilot's Chamber. <laughs> yeah. A bit of a girly run he's got going Blaster there. Bolts. Oh, he must have learned that from Harvey. Yeah. Because here too, he looks like a, a butler in high heels trying to run down a beach. Fair. <laughs> it sets up an interesting dynamic between him and Sokozu, which is mistrust. He does not trust her to no. uh, have his back because she does appear to sell him out as soon as she has the opportunity. And then again later. Which may or may not have been the case because she may have been actually like right. trying to... Uh, uh, she may have been considerate of his needs as well. Um, yes, they release the hounds. <laughs> release the Brinders hound! Hound. A cool six-legged CGI being Which is, uh, yeah, not very good at hounding. I mean, it runs around mostly. It overshoots the target more often than not. Uh, yeah, that's got <laughs> some zoomies. It does, seriously. <laughs> also, because it apparently can shift its center of gravity, which means that you are no longer subject to gravity or something. That's her. That's uh, but, the, but, the, but the creature does it as well. Well, not... I oh, mean, I didn't... Uh, actually, no, they're just, like, bouncing off the walls like a snow leopard. Yes, yes, yeah. yes. That's exactly how they uh, how they move. Or a, or a, a sable, for that matter. <laughs> Same thing do that as well. Just bouncing all just over the do, place. Just do wall, going wall-walking around uh, Moya's chambers, which are very suitable for that, because they're curved and all that. Yeah, wonderful shapes. <laughs> Sikosu shows the limits of her knowledge, where she describes that Brindis' hounds are, are blood trackers, and then how big? And she sort of... 
holds her hands about, let's say, an otter's worth apart. Yeah. Uh, which turns out not to be the case. It's significantly larger. Right, yes. It's not quite a kidva. No, but it is sizable. Yeah. Yeah. He asks her to explain who and what she is, and she is apparently, yeah, a Leviathan specialist who's never been on a Leviathan. She is on assignment from something or the other. Yes, that's not specified. No. But apparently they have hired her to do her job, and she has done her job too well, and I, that, I, that kind of went a little bit too fast for me to follow completely. Yeah, I understand. I had the, I had the benefit of, uh, of hindsight, of course. So she was hired to find the sacred space, because that would be a good place to find old right. leviathans, which she justified with the idea, you know, an old leviathan being, being killed right. or being poached is better than a I healthy I thought she one. was, like, uh, hired to find... a. Uh, Leviathan tracking routes or something like that, and she overshot her mark by finding the uh, sacred space. Oh, is that it? That's what I. That's what I gleamed. Oh, that's well possible. Uh, yeah, because once the Grudex know about this sacred space where Leviathans come to die, yeah, she's no longer needed. Yes, because yeah, we can just sit here and wait for Leviathans to show up. Yes, and killing her means that they don't have to pay her contract. Yes, so that's presumably why she stole that craft to escape from them. Unfortunately, not sure what she was going to do tra- escaping towards a Leviathan that she knew that the others were going to be invading. Seems like poor planning on her side. Given that it's Farscape, I'm assuming that she's she sort of pulled the Crichton maneuver. Oh, there's a gun to my head. I'll just jump into the nearest pit or whatever. Meh. Right? No real plan for what to do at the bottom. Maybe I'll learn how to fly. Yeah. Oh, which does come up. It does, right? Yes. Stick with me, you'll be whole. Okay. Oh, but yes, 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 yes. They're hiding out in the center chamber when the Grudek's attention is caught by the fact that John's comm goes off. Ambush time. Stay quiet. I know you're here. (laughs) Why don't I stare at your Peplot module in this wreck of a maintenance bay? Yes. And, and we and hear Shana, yes. Yeah. And, and like, Rigel yelling in the background. And it's like, yeah, and he's like, oh, why, why now? You know, it's like... <laughs> and we see them reunited. Like, no big deal. No no shot of them landing in the, in the, in the docking no, bay. No, I noticed that there was something that they did several times during this episode where there is a... I mean, Farscape has been known to do this anyway. It's like there's a, a, a tense action scene. There's Something happens. Then it's presumably cut to commercial. Yeah, come back. Situation's been resolved. Yep. We don't, and we never see the resolve where uh, how of how how the shootout died, how how the hand was like recovered or lost, and you know the hand gets ripped. There's, yes. It's like two or three times in this episode they pull that when they get. I yeah. I don't. I don't love it. I'm, no. uh, I didn't notice it. I've got to say, I didn't notice it that much happening uh, this time around. But looking at the at, at the jeeps, mm. I guess because it's such a frenetic pace. Right. Yes. And it's not really. I mean, it's not really important how these things are resolved. It's just that you know they are. It's like okay, they escaped. It was a shootout. Apparently, yeah. we escaped. You, know, you, you can you can either spell that out or go like okay. Well, which I guess is a lot more enjoyable when when there's actual commercial breaks, yeah. which are of course horrible. But when you do sort of get that reset, that oh, much like our greatest hiatuses. Yeah, I mean, it's like when he when he gets uh, bit by the by the dog, and then it's like cut, and like and now he's being treated by uh, Sikozu. Oh yes, you know? who and goes, it's like, oh wow, that's huge. Yes, this is big. Obviously, <laughs> you need to get out more. 
<laughs> he says, oh, you should get out more. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so that, that's, like, we don't see how he escapes the dog, who has at a point clearly latched onto his leg. And yeah. he doesn't kill the dog because it comes back later. Yes, good point. But yeah, okay, we're just gonna res- not not gonna continue that story arc, and we're just like nope. yeah. So it's just been sort resolved. Of sexy bit where Sikozu talks about how big his vein is. is. Yes, and it should be smaller because then otherwise he'll never be able to shift his center of gravity. By the time that you can see someone's vein inside a wound, the the main vein that provides oh, uh, blood yeah. to the leg, which is is that a femoral vein? No, that's an artery, isn't it? Femoral artery, yeah. Wait. Veins return to the heart, don't they? Yes. But it's the largest vein I've ever seen. <laughs> it supplies blood to my leg. So a, a vein doesn't supply blood to the leg. It, it takes blood from the leg, yes. Yeah. Which is still not something you want to lose, obviously. But, uh, okay, well, anyway. So, it yes. doesn't seem to bother him for the rest of the episode. Not really, no. And it's time for a reunion and a shave. And everybody is looking worse for the wear. <laughs> yeah. So, and this is like another little thing that I didn't quite get. So... These guys were on board Moya when Moya went through the wormhole, wasn't they? Weren't they? They were not. They were not. Oh, okay. I must, must have. I know, because the, the sort of departures were never shown during. No. Uh, so why oh, weren't well, they aboard? With two bones. Why weren't they aboard Moya? What were they doing? So we knew that Rigel was going off to his home world yeah. because he got the intelligence about his, uh, his cousin Bishan's ga- reign not going very well. And Shiana talked about wanting to find her brother and the, and the Nevada yeah. resistance. We didn't see them leave. Don't know if they left separately or together or whether they, uh, you know, bumped into each other on a, on a distant planet. You know, mm. how every planet only has one bar. Right. right. So presumably Dargo is still on Moya then? We saw, let me see, we saw Jewel yeah. and the old woman in Pilot's chamber. Those yes. are the people that we knew no, were on Moya. No, for a fact, Moya, yeah. And we don't know of Erin. Well, presumably well, no. she left. No, we, yes, we know yeah. she'd left in her, uh, mod- in her prowler. We don't know about Dargo, but he was already, like, loading the growler at the start of the episode. Right, so he might be gone in the growler. To yeah. go and find Macton. Yeah. We don't know. This, no. is, this is, in fact, the very first episode with no scenes on Moya or Talon. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's still, of course, the Moya sets. It's, but, yeah, it's diff- but it's a different Leviathan. Also, the first episode without any involvement of Lani Tupu. Neither oh, as pilot yes. oh, nor as no. Trace, oh, unless his memory. Yeah, yes. yeah. Making so, Ben Browder the only core actor who's been in every episode so far. Okay. So, yes, Chana is not liking uh, Sikozu. They're, like, having a bit of a cat fight. If Sikozu let these slidgenauts aboard, then why are we keeping her alive? And she doesn't like Crichton either. You're... What's the matter with me, Crichton? You. Always. You. She's upset with him and various... Uh, I mean, it's the, it's the Farscape tradition that reunions are not happy. No. <laughs> I mean, it's not like John's done anything to upset her. Yeah, she, uh, she hauls out uh, uh, another wanted beacon. Yes, apparently this, she's worth five million credit units or whatever, the promissory notes, whatever they currency call them. Currency pledges. Yeah. Currency pledges. Which I think is a, yeah, I mean, it's essentially promissory notes. Essentially, yes. And uh, <laughs> Rigel can't resist getting a dig in, saying, like, I'm worth seven, and she can't stand that. <laughs> <laughs> Rigel see, is looking worse for the wear. 
Yeah. He is not looking good. He's, he's, he's got a, a black eye, in his case, red. Yeah, he's got his beard is grown out, it seems. Like, he's, he's got much more chin fuzz. Yeah, yeah, he's got a, a literal neck beard. Yeah. Which may be a style choice that he's experimenting with, but yeah. And Chana sporting a bit of a shiner as well. Yeah, and her wigs all over the place, like they're all they're all worse for the wear, as we later find out. It's due to her, her sort of vision ability that yes, has been developing, and she's used it to scam a casino. Well, it's not really scamming, is it? Well, I mean, the casino to... certainly solved it that way, but you're supposed to, yeah. When you when you win a game that is not possible to strategize, that is purely guessing, mm. because they talk about you know a drop of mercury held in a positron field that can go in a thousand different directions. Yeah, you're not supposed to be able to. It's like, yeah, if you bet on the number that roulette, roulette wheel. Yeah. wheel lands on, and you get it right seven times in a row. Yes, statistically possible, but so very very unlikely that. I think a, a casino would generally like exercise its option to invite you no longer to enjoy the casinos. Right. It, this, these casinos seem to have a little bit more leeway because she is uh, pulled aside. They take away her winnings and she's uh, mistreated. Yeah, which is mentioned just a little bit casually. Uh, uh, just, uh, she does that, but yeah, in a very charming way. Content warning for yes. anybody watching watching that scene. I found it quite upsetting it how, was, uh, how so. easily that was that was mentioned. Yeah. Uh, and glossed over. But yeah, between that and the wanted beacon, they have literally nowhere else to go because those beacons are everywhere. And that's, I guess, the source of her antagonism for, for John. Like, even though at the end of season four, they thought that nobody was hunting them and they were totally scot-free, apparently that is not the case. No, apparently the peacekeepers are still putting out beacons. Okay, so at this point, they have a transport pod. Yeah. Why don't they all pile in and GTFO? Well, our pod's not going anywhere. We were lucky to get this far. One of the next scenes is that they find Sikozu in cahoots with one of the Gru decks, yes. um, where she says after after Chiana shoots him... Look at what she did! Look what she did! ...that she was negotiating for him to leave behind uh, a craft for them to use. Right, which they don't have. Yeah. Because but- they got dropped off by the mothership... And the mothership is going to come back later after they're done with the harvest. Yeah. Oh, wait, no, they, they do have a landing craft. They did have a breaching craft that actually, like, penetrated the hull. I thought that was the mothership. Oh, and then it withdrew. Yeah. Huh. Okay, so a few things are a little bit unclear to me as well. Don't confuse us. We find John in the, in the pilot's chamber, and Pilot says, well... We are old. We must accept our time is soon anyway. Perhaps, in passing, we can serve some purpose for others. This is a very generous way to interpret some poachers yes. actually harvesting brain cells, which John sort of admires, but he also asks, You don't mind if we fight for you, do you? Yeah. I think at this point, he feels he owes Elac a favor for picking him up and rescuing him. Yes. And the, and the, and the dozing pilot. And maybe he's also got a bit of dander up for the... Weeks, months, how long does it take to grow a beard if you... Uh, yeah, I don't know. Mine does not do that no, anywhere I don't near that know. speed. I can't grow a beard like that either, so I have no idea. Yeah, but... A couple roughly, of months at least. I mean, Roughly if, a, a television season's hiatus worth, which is... <laughs> that sounds like, about right. Yeah. I mean, our friend Bruce, he could probably grow a beard like that in a month, but, you know, that's one of those people... He grows a beard like that when he coughs. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's his five o'clock shadow. <laughs> you know, <that's> his, <laughs> yeah. 
No, I think Ben Browder like stopped shaving after they wrapped season three. Uh-huh. And I hope that he shaved before doing this this shaving scene because he's just got some mud on his face oh, and, a, and yes. a straight razor, which I think mm. with a beard like that, you want to start with some little scissors You'd and then want, head down you, to the yeah, you want to, Yes, I think a better nice clay would work well, actually. Okay, and now they have a mission. Hang on. Uh, first, one more thing about that scene where uh, Chana and Shikozu fight. Oh, yeah. Uh, because, like, yeah, Chana catches her uh, in cahoots with uh, one of these uh, Vi- space Vikings, and... There's a little exchange which I was, thought was interesting when she accuses her and like, oh, look, she was like trying to sell us out. Look what she's got. Krindar's scaring currency. Yeah. And then uh, Sikosu explains, oh, if you, you guys are all from around peacekeeper space, I'll bet you have peacekeeper money. In so, your pockets? Yeah. yeah. What do you have it, in your, that yeah. doesn't make that you're peacekeeper affiliated. Yeah, very good. She says she's not a Scarin. I'm Kalish. We hate the Scarin, but I did grow up in their territory, yes. And so, yeah, that's the money that they have there. So definitely not uncharted territories, guess. Yeah, we don't know, right? We don't know. Well, uncharted territory isn't peacekeeper territory. No. And presumably it isn't Scarin territory either, yeah. I mean, that's what basically the point, the plot of Look at the Princess is. Yes, that's right. It's like uh, unaffiliated planets which are being uh, hassled yeah. about by uh, both sides. Curious but, name then, like, you know, <laughs> then they're, it's it's non-aligned. Yeah. Uh, so the hound. <laughs> so what are we talking? Tracking dog? Blood hunter. How big? What? More plans ensure to get the creature, which uh, cause uh, Sikozu's hand to get ripped off uh, by the high-speed hound in a hurried pass. Yeah, that was dramatic, wasn't it? Yes. Fortunately, it turns out not to be such a big issue because she can just, like, stick them back together. Uh, yeah, her tissue can somehow reattach. That's nice. Yeah, useful. That's a nice ability. Which she eventually does after... Uh, <laughs> Rachel goes and finds her, her, her hand, which is sort of waving around as a prop. He's having a conversation with... Uh, John, with, yes. With John about his obsessions. Like, I, I can't... I've, shall I continue counting on her hand? Things, yeah, she's like, I've run out of fingers, but I can, can, can keep going on her hand. Yeah. So the plan is to lure the hound into this chamber that has an opening into space, mm-hmm. which is being held shut by an, uh, a, a sort of mass membrane. Yes, uh, some sort of electromagnetic field uh, generated by uh, the Leviathan, uh, which uh, keeps the air in. Yeah, just uh, a little bubble membrane that will pop as soon as it's punctured. Yep, the DRD is invited to do a little bit of a graffiti piece on it to make it look like a closed door. This is yes. some Wiley Coyote shit there. <laughs> it really is. Oh my God, yes. He learned this from Revenging Angel. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, quite the artist, little uh, little eighteen twelve. Yeah, very musical and also very uh, uh, graphically, uh, yeah, gifted. And now it's up to our crew to bait the hound, which Rigel does by uh, wandering around in his uh, throne sled. <laughs> There's this fantastic scene where you just like see John uh, like getting ready for this, and in the background you see Rigel rapidly <laughs> floating by from one <laughs> corridor to the next, yes. chased by this hound, which is. <laughs> And, and then he sort of sits there like the goat in Jurassic Park. Bah. Going, bah. <laughs> Literally going, bah. <laughs> yeah. And then the hound approaches and he lifts the hem of his tunic and shows off his grade A prime beef. USDA I mean. prime beef. Come on. Come on. Come on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You want some of this? Yeah. Grade A prime American beef. Come on. Come on, damn you. 
smacking and rubbing his leather clad backside like this. There's so many close-ups of it. They must have gone a little bit nuts there. It doesn't actually work quite so well at first because the creature just like does his wall running thing and zoomies around the room and doesn't actually step on the door. Yeah. And so John stands in front of the door and he tries the other slab of USDA prime meat that 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 he's got. And he's just a really bad college stripper who makes up for a lack of like dance moves with just genuine enthusiasm. And having a nice ass. Definitely that. So, yes, finally, it, the creature does puncture the bubble, gets sucked out. John manages to haul himself back in. This door apparently does work, although earlier in the episode, we've been told that the doors don't work anymore. <laughs> I knew you'd notice that. I knew it. None of the doors work? Because it's a dying ship. I think it's because, like, he yells door. Door, 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 door! Uh, uh, and presumably that's the 1812. And 1812 right. might be there to sort of mechanically shut well, it for him rather than uh, it automatically does. Okay, that makes sense, yeah. Yeah, it's just me trying to trying to be an apologist. A weird plan gets concocted to deal with the space pirates. Oh, actually, no, first there's a scene where uh, Sikozu again seems to betray them. This is like, why is it always the girls who uh, are, are played off as the uh, the... Yeah, it is a bit of the sort of femme fatale kind yes, of... Yes, femme fatale, backstabbing, uh, inserted, insertion person, uh, the, the, the English, what's the word, uh, undercover agent. Uh, uh, Infiltrant. Infiltrant, thank yeah. you, that's the word I was looking for. Uh, saboteurs, yes. in this case. Yeah, I'm trying to think, I mean, we don't get a lot of men introduced without sort of prior preamble, like the introduction Sorry. of the introduction of Jothy course was built up to mm-hmm. for uh, for a long time well stark not so much stark was a cellmate yes but they built up a rapport before there was any kind of dependency on one another mm. before they were thrust into the into the fire together and Crace, well yes they go back a while but yeah this is a this is a bit of a i don't know again it was intended to to appeal to a larger audience mm. but yes yeah, she's talking to the captain of the of the crew the harvest crew and they seem to be striking a deal. Yeah, which uh, they'll take her with all uh, all all sins forgiven. We'll take you with you and pay off your contract. Yep. But then they intercept the Grudex comms where they're talking about. Yeah, we're not, definitely not doing that. Grudex was the message sent. Her employers are aware. Sokozu's own errors and judgment cost her her life. Welcome to the universe. And that gets her angry. Yes, because you will not be smearing my good record. Yeah, yeah. You will Kidding give me, me f- fine, but a, like a f- four-star review. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> Anything less than four point eight means war. <laughs> and so now they're they're finally a team, and yet they concoct this bizarre plan that. We don't get explained to us, no. but it's actually kind of brilliant. Okay, it's like it's kind of like the the sick note. Uh, for, you the know, what? The sick note. You know that song? It's, it's, it's an Irish song. It's about why it's like a construction worker writing a note about why he's not uh, coming to work. And it's this long, involved story of him having to haul some bricks down and he puts them in a barrel. Uh, and then when he <laughs> unties the rope of the barrel at the bottom, he gets yanked up to the top, slams his head down. Back at the bottom, the bricks fall from the barrel, so now he's heavier than the barrel. And it, he goes hammering down, bangs into the barrel on the way up. Back, he smacks into the ground. Up at the top, the barrel smacks against the pulley. Bottom breaks out. All the bricks came raining down Onto on him. his head. <laughs> and then he finally lets go of the rope, which sends the barrel 
barrel down again, which crashes on top of over him. And the final line yes. of the song is, I hope you understand why Paddy's not at work today. <laughs> I, was hoping, I was hoping that it would end with, and then it got a bad case of the runs, and that's why I'm not at work. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> so yes, that's what they do. So I'll, I'll try to say what, how, I, how I understood it. So, okay, yes. Without uh, using your hands. I see you've got your sorry. hands ready, but we're podcasting. I'm, but I'm, I know. Try, I was, I'm sorry, I'll steer away from the Italian. <laughs> So, John is at the top of yep. the pilot's den chamber, which is huge. There must be a really long rope that they have here. Sure. Uh, yeah. Okay. And there's a pulley there. And he is attached to that rope. And Chiana is at the bottom. And she's also attached to that rope. Yeah. Sikozu is at the top with a bucket of bolts. Yes. Yes. Correct. So, the plan is John jumps down and hauls Chiana up. While she's going up, she looks at some hoses which need to be shot in exactly the right order to create a limited explosion without making a massive explosion. Right, and because she's that's going... the area where the Grudex are working and yeah. they want to destroy all the Grudex. And she's going to use her future powers because they don't know which one is which uh, and she's using her uh, future sight to be able to determine in which order these need to be shot. She doesn't know that though, but she's she's already explained that her her visions are no longer of the future, which I guess is a is sort of a fair way for writers to sort of back away from precognition, which is a fun sort of trope to explore, but also an absolute noose for the kind of creativity oh, that we want to... Yes. Uh, so right now it's uh, she's able to sort of slow down time and really, really examine it. Oh, I thought it was more like time slows down whenever she's doing her thing, but okay. Yeah. Oh, it could well be, but uh, it's like it gives her the time to really study this scene, even as she's being shot at. Yes. And then she describes what she sees to Sikozu, Yes. Who is then able to tell John, John in which order to shoot, which yes. is uh, right, left, center, turns out. Left, right, center. No, right, left, center. More importantly, once she gets to the top, she needs to be hauled in so they can attach the bucket of bolts and, and throw that overboard uh, so that John gets hauled up and he can shoot the hoses uh, in the right order. Yep, because they've got a... They've got a Bucket of bolts that's heavier than John. John, yes. This doesn't go quite right. First of all, Chana yanks off Sikozu's hand by accident when she's trying to grapple for it. She, she can't see right now. It's like she yeah. goes blind after her vision for a little bit. Uh, so she rips off the, the Sikozu's recently. I mean, it's kind of Sikozu's own fault for using that hand. I mean, clearly, Chiana <laughs> yeah. wouldn't know that this was the wrong hand. Uh, I know. End result is uh, Sikosa falls off the ledge, clamps onto Chiana. The two of them apparently weigh more than John. And yeah. this part of the plan goes in, comes into effect. <laughs> yeah. So much for being light enough to like stick to the, the, the ceiling. They go tumbling down. John comes barreling up. It does indeed shoot the hoses. Yeah, in a... He gets the order wrong a few times as he's, as he's saying it. And but finally, he's like, no, right, center, left, no, right, left, center. Right. Left. Center. Woo! It works out great. A fantastic explosion ensues until he barrels into the top. And just like the work person in the sick note, then he comes barreling down again. Well, no, the rope breaks. The, rope's oh, gotten, yes, that's the right. rope has gotten frayed that's and right. it breaks. And he goes flying down all the way down the, the pilot scene. <laughs> Rigel hear- tries to catch him on his throne sled and just... I gotcha! I gotcha! I am... Misses. <laughs> misses. Like, he's so heroic. Like, oh, why am I bothering? And sort of floats over the... Oops! Oh, sorry. <laughs> Rigel, you're useless. Or something like that. <laughs> 
tried. Unfortunately, he misses the catwalk at and the bottom. And goes into, the, into the blue dren, which is... Uh, into the bat poop lake. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what is bat poop lake? Yes, apparently they all have this. And like, there's there's even a, a sort of a quiet moment where he's he's skulking around and keeping his nose under the surface. Yeah, making, I'm not totally sure what that was about. Yeah, there was a Grudek who fell there, and I guess he wants to make sure that he's dead before giving away his... Right, and he found the guy floating around in there as well, and uh, it goes like, oh, okay, in that case, and he hoists, hoists himself out. Gets a last little dig in, of course. He's always going to have the last word, Art yes. Brighton. Even if uh, you have to say it softly. And all's well that ends well. Apparently. Yes. Well, I mean, the mothership is still going to come collect them, but this is averted by the uh, by pilot, uh, Elax pilots, deciding that okay, well, okay, I will bring you to a nearby planet then. Yeah. I hate that you're doing this. The returning Grudex ship would have destroyed us if we hadn't left the sacred space, and we would like to repay our debt. Before we pass. You don't owe us anything. Nevertheless, if we are able, you shall arrive at the planet where you think your friends may be. Giving up uh, their lifelong dream. Well, not necessarily. Well, she she doesn't know if she's how long she's going to last. You know, yeah, that's exactly. the thing. It's uh, so she might, and she's risking it. Let, let's put it like that. She's very yeah. generously risking it, and John actually goes, but it was your dream. And like, well, it... No dream is guaranteed, Commander. The grace of age is we, we learn to accept. Which is very, like, profound for Crichton to hear. Like, dreams aren't guaranteed. Yeah. Something that he has experienced quite a bit over the over the course of his career in the uncharted territories and he, he immediately puts it to uh to practice when he goes back into his little dreamscape and says goodbye to a now non-pregnant Aaron. not coming here anymore why not doesn't change anything it makes me sad mm. it's like this this surfer dude comes with a pair of slushies and uh how is oh, that what they are I, th- I think so i mean that's the only thing i think it's shaved ice Okay, because it's in a paper cone, yeah, and, and rather a large one, which I always yeah. associate with. I mean, that's how French fries are served. Right, in the I think it's shaved. I think it's shaved ice. But, oh, uh, lovely on a cool day. Yes. So he's even invented a new boy toy for for his fantasy yes. Aaron, just to sort of give himself distance and closure, and and he goes back to restoring his calculations that his the, the magnum opus he was writing on uh, wormholes the crates that he'd written that that on were have destroyed been dis- by sputnik's little craft but he's i mean he, i like figured he figured it out he can just like rewrite it it's like not that big much of an issue i think from him at this point did you see which formula he started with isn't that uh, a, a plus b squared over uh, a plus c equals b yeah aaron and Crichton equals baby Oh. oh, oh! But he's regained some of his his spirit. While uh, eighteen twelve plays his jaunty little tune, they play it together. Yes, he whistles to eighteen twelve, and they as they're working. <laughs> and this is the 
second time that we've heard a different set of end credits. Mm. I think the last time was in Scratch and Sniff, where it was that sort of lounge jazz. Oh, yes. And this time we're treated to the ending of the, uh, the DRD suite of the 1812 Overture, ending with the solo with which the first two seasons of So Farscape Has started. always started, yes. She gives me a woody. She gives you the willies. Ooh, this is a tricky one. Um, yeah, there's a lot of choices. I mean, we've got some we've got some new characters. I, I really like Sikozu's look. She's got yes. I, I mean, it's just makeup. I wonder if she's going to be a regular. She's yeah. She's she kind of me too. Had this like <laughs> glossy, almost snake green like tinge to her skin. She like like she looked a little bit moist. Yeah. Now I got to look at it. It's like it's like mother of pearl uh, was airbrushed onto onto her cheeks with a with a sort of. A, a diamond grate pattern masking it. Like she's got these yes. scales separated by... It's it's really fascinating. Piercing eyes, lovely red hair. I kind of like the Grudex as well. A okay. lot more than I remembered. The Brindis Hound was cool. The Hound was cool. The Grudex I found a little bit... You know, Viking, Klingon Vikings. They, yeah. I found them a bit weird, you know. Uh, the the brain meat harvesters. It was, yeah. So they, it was a weird thing. They... Uh, I just, I know it's a me thing. I kind of, yeah. I kind of like their vibe. Like they were, they were not particularly stupid. They were not brilliant. These, these were, you know, it was a working crew. They were, of course, savage murderers. Uh, yes, and horrible poachers, which is not okay. Rigel and his unexplained shiner. Yes, I was wondering about that. Like they must have been living rough, or yeah, yeah, and and, and well, Chana is also not in a very good state. I think like my 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 Willie will have to go to. Basically, how Chiana, what Chiana explained, happened to her, and how that was like very casually in the way yeah. that she says that gets portrayed. That's uh, like they had they had a little bit of fun, you know, the, nothing unusual. The way that, yeah, the way that she said that that makes yes. And like, this is a criticism of the of the writing, which writes. Oh, I'm actually I'm, I'm more thinking of it like it, it, I find it like very disturbing that that's how Chiana has been like with all that she's been through. That's the way that she she deals or doesn't deal with these things yeah and you, i mean you can't criticize the writing for that like in saying that like we shouldn't do that but well i mean for someone to to say that for someone that you know to say that that should be a something that you that you deal with that's something yes. for Crichton who's who's empathetic oh no absolutely but like everyone just accepts that this is somehow okay and yeah. that is horrible Right. And well, yeah. To me, inconsistent with. I mean, it know. is. It's something that. Yeah. It's it's difficult. I can see. I I, I agree with your point, yeah. but it would not have fitted in the episode to now suddenly have a story arc dealing with that. Maybe there. I mean, it could have probably been easily averted or at least avoided by him saying like, "Okay, we're definitely going to talk about that. that's not cool. We're going to talk about that later." Well, yeah. Something, something like that. You know, just throwing a line to make sure that like he he knows that this is not cool and uh, yeah have to deal with that because for all Farscape inversion of traditional gender roles and like mm. presenting a, a, a lot more equality than we're used to in science fiction it's something that was that was that I've become more sensitive to in uh, uh, like scratch and sniff even though like when we watched it we still sort of enjoyed it but in conversations with some of our uh, our excellent listeners including the wonderful musician Lee who performs our opening credits uh, just are uh, I'm, I'm, I'm understanding extreme discomfort with the uh, uh, the abuse that young women experience yes. in, these, in this episode. Oh. Okay, Woody. Oh, there's so much though. Ah, 
I really like the plan. Yeah? Yeah. The, the, with, the, with the police? With the, with the police and the ropes and... and you don't see all of it. Like, it's, it's, it's visually fairly sort of simplified because you see some scenes at the top of the rope, at the bottom of the rope, and in the middle. Yes. And you sort of put everything else together. Oh, and the bit where Rigel's floating, floating off, and it's just great. I, I think my Woody has to go to Rigel for this episode. Really? Yes, I love him. He's like, he's, he's his r- r- usual curmudgeon, curmudgeon, curmudgeonly. curmudgeonly self. That's the word. Yes. <laughs> but he's also a little bit cowed and... Clearly, not really in a very good place. But he's he had has a slice some, of humble pie. He yeah. has had a slice of humble pie, but he has some hilarious background, like the the the, the scene where he tries to catch John, and the, <laughs> the scene where he's running away from the hound, and it's just <laughs> he is the heart and soul of Farscape. Isn't he, he is he becoming that very quickly. <laughs> and that's the story so Farscape. Join us next week. Oh, whoa, we're doing it the other way around. Okay, yes, apparently so, yes. Join us next week, where more of the clue are reunited, and while they discover the secrets of an ancient civilization, a serious threat looms. In Sacrifice, What Was Lost, Part 1. Oh, here we go again with the multi-parters. Yay! I'm not even even calling it a two-parter at this point. I'm calling it multi-parters. Well, you've spent all your points. I know, I can't make any predictions. Yeah, let's see next week if you've, uh, if when you're, when you're going to earn any, because you're going to have to, uh, or maybe we can set up a sort of credits. uh, Oh, oh, yeah, no, hold on. I made three boo-boos. Yeah. That's 300 points for you. Oh, How about that? Well, oh, I'm not right? sure if that's fair, but like, well, let's go with it. Oh. <laughs> As if it needs to be fair. It's just a drop of mercury through a positron field. And it can go a thousand ways. Um, okay, you've got 300 points. Okay. What do you want to spend them on? Oh, geez. I just said that it, like, I'm not calling them two-parters anymore. I'm calling them multi-parters just because... Do you uh, want to guess? Do I want to guess? All right. I'll, oh, I mean, we've just come off a two-parter, but it's yeah. but it's a season split, yeah. so they're doing the Star Trek thing. So what was lost? Part one. Oh, okay. What was lost? That's This is going to be an Aaron episode. Okay. I'll put 100 points on it being an Aaron episode. All right. That's about as far as I'm willing to go at this point. Okay, keeping the other 200 in reserve. Yeah, I mean, I need to be able to make some more predictions next time. Keith is exciting, right? It does, it does. <laughs> okay, 100 points on Aaron's return in uh, What Was Lost Part 1, Sacrifice, uh, Season 4, Episode 2. Join us again next week for our usual fanfic. Also check out our links, soulfarscape.com slash links, where you can submit your synopses. Hey, and I know I gave people a hard time for, for going long. They were really good. We really love them. Uh, you can also support our Patreon on sofarscape.com slash support and send us fanfics if you have any favourites for us to read, which we absolutely delight in. And, of course, a big shout-out to uh, our friend and yours, Lee Wright Songs, for our fantastic opening and closing music. Although this time, this time, how about... No, no, wait, that's not how we end it. No, that's. I'm Kaki. I'm Kay. So far, escape so good. See, we're just away for a season and suddenly forget. At least I forget how to podcast. Yeah, no, you forgot it the last time as well. Oh, <laughs> like, yeah. The end credits seem to have been becoming a little bit more difficult. Yeah. Uh, well, I'll figure it out. <laughs> <laughs>